before we open the word, I want to give you a compliment, church, because I know that you sing. And I know on Sunday mornings it's a beautiful thing to come in here with you and hear your voices as y'all sing. It is a wonderful thing, it is a joyful thing, and it makes the heart of God glad. I've read a lot of blogs and articles, and I've, I've heard from others at other churches that people don't often sing during worship anymore, sing during the, the musical time of worship. Um, I have been places where I've looked out and I've seen a lot of people not singing, and it hurts my heart a little bit, and I, I believe actually it hurts the heart of God as well as we will see this morning so my question as we get ready to, to start here is, is singing optional for us? Is it something we do simply because some of us like it? Or is it more than that? So the first question we're going to address as we look at the word is, why do we sing? And then we're also going to talk about how do we sing? Do we all sing together? Do we sing specials? Do we sing joyfully or reverently? Do we sing to God or do we sing to each other? And then the third thing we're going to look at is what do we sing? Do we simply sing whatever is popular or whatever songs sound cool or stir our emotions? Uh, do we sing new songs? Do we sing old songs? Do we sing songs everybody knows? So we'll be looking at what do we sing. And these questions and more are ones that I hope to be able to answer this morning as we look at God's Word. And as, as we answer those questions, I hope that it, uh, you will start to develop a wonder for singing together as we look at what happens. So turn with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 is going to be our, one of our primary texts for today. In chapter 3, Paul is writing to the church, and he's telling them that since they have been raised with Christ... They should throw off their old self and sin and put on the new self. And we're going to start reading in verse 12 of Colossians 3. It says, So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And then here's our, our primary text. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This passage is similar to the one in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul is telling the church in Ephesus to throw off their sin and imitate God. And in verse 18, he tells them not to get drunk on wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. And he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God. These passage, passages and individual verses are very similar, and I think with them and some of the other verses that we're going to look at, 
we'll be able to answer all of those questions I posed at the beginning. So the first one, you'll see it in your notes, and I think I'll have them on the screen there, is why do we sing? Okay, why do we sing when we come together? I think the first reason jumps out pretty plainly in both of these texts. Let me ask you, do you think Paul was just giving us a suggestion about how we should live? Are these more guidelines than actual rules? No, they're, they're not. It's not like he's saying, might be a good idea if you tried to sing, but if you don't want to, that's fine. That's not how Paul's talking. These are commands. These are commands, which leads us to number one for why we sing. We are commanded to sing. If we're commanded to do something, we should do it, right? We are commanded not to become drunk on wine. We are commanded to be humble, compassionate, patient, loving. We're commanded in both of these passages to do those things. We're also commanded to sing. Paul's not saying, if you want to be a church leader, you should sing. Or if you have a really good voice, you should sing. Or if you really like the song, you should sing. He tells us to sing, to make melody with our hearts to the Lord. Um, a couple of other scriptures, Psalm 47.6 says, Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. Psalm 96 says, Sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless His name, proclaim good tidings of His salvation from day to day. And in those couple of verses in the Psalms, there's nine commands to sing in, in, four, passage, uh, oh, in the four passages we've, we've read this morning. And in the Bible, there are around 400 references to singing and at least 50 direct commands to sing. So when somebody says, yeah, I don't really sing in church, that's not, that's not an option for us as believers we sing because we have been commanded to sing. So the first reason we sing is because God has commanded it, which is a good enough reason on its own, but we'll talk about uh, five more reasons in no particular order um, that we sing. We sing, number two, we sing because God sings. You guys know God sings? He does. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. You guys know that Jesus sang, right? Jesus sang. In Hebrews 2.12, talking of Jesus, it says, In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. That's talking about Jesus singing in the congregation. Jesus also sung a hymn with his disciples before he went to the cross. And as we read in Ephesians one of the effects of being filled with the Spirit is singing and making melody. We worship a God who is three persons, a blessed trinity, a God who sings and wants us to be like Him. So we sing because God sings. Thirdly, we sing because it is our future. In Revelation 4, we get a picture of the throne in heaven and the one who is seated upon it and around it there are living creatures who never cease to declare that God is holy. In Revelation 5, we get a picture of thousands upon thousands worshiping and declaring that Jesus is worthy, singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever. 
Revelation 14, there's another picture of worship, and it talks of sounds of loud thunder and harps with people singing a new song. In Revelation 15, there's another uh, song being sung called the Song of the Lamb. Revelation uh, 19 gives a picture of worship and the coming marriage supper of the Lamb. So heaven one day, where we're going to be, we're going to be worshiping there, and it's not, I don't think, only going to consist of singing, but we are going to sing. It's going to be in our future. So the third one was we sing because it's in our future. Number four, we sing because it helps us engage our emotions with God's Word. Um, Pastor Nick talked a little bit last night about, you know, intellect and emotions and people going too far one way or the other. And that can happen with singing too, but we don't want to disengage our emotions from God. We don't want to disengage his emotion, our emotions from His Word. Some people think that music should be more important than the words. Whether they admit that or not, they prioritize music over uh, the words or the voices. And they'll say that music speaks to them better than words can. They can't worship unless it's a musical style that they like. And some believers think that music is dangerous or that it undermines God's word. Uh, music is powerful. Amen. Music is powerful. And, and they know that, and they know it can stir emotions, so they want to avoid it. Some pastors throughout history have actually banned any form of music or singing from their churches because they were concerned about the uh, emotional power of music. But God created music. He created melodies. He gave us the ability to sing, and He Himself sings, and He commands us to sing. So that's, that's got to go together, right? We should not fear music. We should not praise music itself. We praise the God who created music. Psalm 147 says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant, and praise is becoming. God gave us music and song as a gift, not to supersede His Word, and not to undermine His Word, but to serve His Word. Music can deepen the impact of words. If you want an example, if you think of singing Amazing Grace, it can be deeply moving. But if you just listen to me read the words out loud, if I say, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Those words have a lot of truth in them. But me saying it is different than us singing it together. The Music helps us to connect emotionally with the truth of God's Word. Excuse me. Number five, we sing because it can help us express and demonstrate our unity. So we think about this. We are all together declaring something in unison. We talked about corporate prayer last night, last night and uh, how somebody prays on behalf of everyone and, and we join them. What I think is beautiful about singing is, you know, we think and pray ahead of time about these songs that contain the truths of God's Word, that a lot of times contain a lot of God's Word in them, and then we all get to together declare the same thing. It's beautiful. We're together expressing how wonderful God is. We're demonstrating that we all indeed believe the truth that we are singing. 
People sing together at all sorts of events, from birthday parties to sporting events and, and school things. There's something special about singing together that unites people. And, and we get to sing together the truth of God's word when we gather on a Sunday or another event. And that unites us and expresses unity. Number six, we sing because it helps us set our hearts on and remember the truths of God's word. How much easier is it to recall a song than a sermon? It can be a lot easier. It can be a lot easier to remember a song than an article or a blog or than a passage of scripture. I remember being on a trip with some people years ago, and they had been in classical conversations, which I think some of you have had your kids in, and they started singing some song that went on at least 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I was shocked and amazed that it was like went through history and learned, I don't know, they, they learned a whole bunch of history through song, and they recited that thing, and they knew it backwards and forwards. Um, it was amazing. Songs are a powerful way to remember things. And when we sing together, we are memorizing and storing away beautiful and wonderful truths about God's word, about who he is. It's awesome. So those are six reasons why we sing. It's not an exhaustive list. If you continue to look at God's word and, and uh, as we talk more together, you could come up with many more reasons for why we sing. God created us to sing. God is honored and glorified when we sing. His name is lifted high among the nations. When we sing, people are convicted of their sin and hear the gospel when we sing. You could go on. But we're going to move to the second question, which, as I mentioned earlier, I flip them around there. We're, how do we sing? How do we sing? So we know we should sing, according to God's word. How do we do it? And I'm not talking about how to actually sing, as in how to make a beautiful sound with your voice. Okay, that would be my wife. Um, I'm not a vocal coach. I think most of you are pretty good at it, though. And my wife has told me that almost everyone can sing, even if they think they can't. You think you don't have a good voice? That's all right. You can still sing, and you can sing better than you think you can. Short of some kind of medical condition, even those who really struggle with it can still sing. So, I want to take a look at this passage in Colossians again, and the one in Ephesians again, and notice a few things about how we are supposed to sing in no particular order. So, from Colossians 3.16, says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. First thing to notice, again, these are in no particular order, is that we sing to one another. We're talking about how we sing. We sing to one another. I think for most of you, it's probably not a strange thought, uh, but I I want to point this out because, at least for me, for most of my teenage years and several years after that, I would have argued against that, and I felt strongly that we sing to God. We don't sing to each other. We're singing to God. I would have said that worship is about God. We sing our songs to Him, and it is weird to sing to each other. But if we look at this, we look at this scripture, we do. Both of these scriptures in Ephesians and Colossians say that we sing to one another. doesn't mean that we only sing to one another, 
But it does mean that, yes, we do, in fact, sing to each other. And this is a beautiful thing. We're talking about corporate worship, congregational singing. It's something we are meant to do together for each other. When we hear and we see our brothers and sisters testifying to God's word by singing it, by declaring truths about God's grace, shouting of his goodness, crying out in repentance, that's encouraging. It's encouraging for me. I know it's encouraging for you. I'm encouraged when I hear others around me sing this truth to me. I'm convicted when I hear others sing these truths to me. I'm, I'm blown away in wonder when I see someone who just lost a loved one sing a song like it is well with my soul. The Lord ministers to me through my brothers and sisters singing these songs. Now, do we only sing to each other or do we even sing chiefly to each other? No, but we do sing to each other and it is a beautiful thing. And as a side note, practically when we gather, not that many years ago I would have argued um, we should keep the lights really low, maybe even turn them off for worship, create a dark environment so that it's easier to focus on God. That's what, what I would have said. My opinion on this has changed, though, not just because I've gotten older and it's harder for me to read with less light, even though that's true. Um, I, used to, I used to have some people say, well, I can't read my Bible when, when the lights are low. And I was like, what do you mean you can't read your Bible? I'm there now. Um, it is because my understanding of worship and singing has grown. Part of singing together is seeing each other. There may be times when lower lights help set a tone or a mood for certain songs or might help serve the word. Christmas Eve is, is an example I can think of. But generally speaking, we are worshiping God together and being able to see each other and the expressions of joy, sadness, hope, and whatever else as we sing is good and encouraging as we are supposed to be singing to each other. So number two, we see that we sing to God. He would be the one that we are actually worshiping and the primary one to whom we sing. In both of these passages, we are, it says we are to sing to God. And all throughout the Psalms, God is the one who is intended to be praised and sung to. And our song should primarily focus on Him. When God is our focus, other things fade. He is the source of life, salvation, hope, rest, peace, everything good. And one of the problems with a lot of songs today, when they start really focusing on us and not on God, what happens when you focus on yourself and your problems instead of God? That Yeah, nothing good comes from that. God is the one we need to look to. God is the one we need to look to. And when our singing puts too much emphasis on us, instead of directing our attention to God, we start to run into problems. And number three, reason number three, this might be kind of repeated or obvious by now, but we sing together. Okay, if we're singing to each other, we're singing together. We can't sing to one another if we aren't singing together. We lift our voices together, encouraging each other and giving God the praise and honor and glory that is due Him. There is a place for singing songs to God on your own. I hope you do. I sing uh, by myself all the time. It's wonderful. And something special happens when we sing together. Uh, Pastor Bob Coughlin, he says this of singing together. He says, Our singing tends to bind us together. 
It's more effective than simply reciting or shouting words in unison. Singing enables us to spend extended periods of time communicating the same thoughts, the same passions, and the same intentions. That process can actually have a physical effect on our bodies. Scientists have found that singing corporately produces a chemical change in our bodies that contributes to a sense of bonding. When it comes to the church, this characteristic of singing has significant implications, all of which require great wisdom and discernment. To be clear, Scripture doesn't talk only about congregational singing. God is honored when we sing alone, when a musically gifted individual leads a solo, when a choir sings, and when different segments of the church sing to one another taking turns. The Bible is not specific about exactly who sings when, but the predominant emphasis of Scripture is believers confessing their common beliefs together. The book of Revelation doesn't give the impression that Jesus died for independent soloists, people who would sing on their own clouds or in different sections of the renewed earth by themselves. He died to redeem a universal choir. And that means every voice in the church matters. We're not called simply to listen to others sing, as we are prone to do increasingly in our iPhone, iPod, internet downloading culture, or to sing by ourselves. We are called to sing with others, especially in the context of the local church. The question is not, do you have a voice? The question is, do you have a song? And if you've turned from your sins and trusted in the finished work of Christ, if you're forgiven and reconciled to God, then you have a song. It is a song of the redeemed, of those who have been rescued from the righteous wrath of God through the cross of Jesus Christ and are now called his friends. Once we were not a people, but now we are a people of God and are singing together. Every voice contributing is one way we express that truth. It's truly a wondrous thing when we sing together. Number four, we sing and use instruments to accompany and serve the word being sung. Now, I do not say this to mean you have to have a band or an instrument, but the psalmist used all kinds of instruments. And if you look at Ephesians 5 in verse 19, where it says making melody, the Greek word there literally means to pluck a stringed instrument pluck a stringed instrument. I've heard some people argue that because the New Testament doesn't specifically say that we must sing with instruments, that we cannot or should not use them. It's not a good argument. If you imagine for a moment that your father and grandfather and his father and so on use instruments when singing and praising the Lord, and then you're told to go sing and make melody and sing songs to the Lord and you play guitar, do you pick up the guitar and sing songs? You say, oh, I can't use the guitar because they didn't say, you know, they didn't tell me to get my guitar and sing. It's, it's a bad argument. Um, not to mention, again, that the word for melody literally means to pluck an instrument. There's not a good biblical argument I've heard for not using instruments. They can help aid us in singing. The song we sung uh, last night, written from Psalm 150, Again, Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty expanse, praise Him for His mighty deeds, praise Him according to His excellent greatness, praise Him with trumpet sound, praise Him with harp and lyre, praise Him with timbers, timbers, whatever those are, and dancing, praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe, praise Him with loud cymbals, 
Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Instruments. Now that being said, you've got to use them correctly, right? Instruments can add, they can serve the word, but they can also take away. If we're supposed to sing together in unison, if we're supposed to lift our voices, our voices need to be heard, right? Our voices need to be heard. Going back to my younger self, okay, when I was a teenager and a couple of years out of that, I used to want the music to be so loud that I could yell and not hear myself sing. I thought this was really good, you know, the music's nice and loud, everybody can sing out however they want, and they don't have to worry about people hearing their voices, because they're not always good. Um, so that, that was my thought, but as I grew in my understanding of worship and theology and doctrine, I realized I was definitely off. Um, instruments are there to serve the word being sung. We are to lift our voices and sing for multiple reasons, but if the voices are drowned out by the instruments and nobody can hear them, they aren't accomplishing their purpose. And again, from what I've read, unfortunately, a lot of people don't sing anymore, and one of the main reasons is that the band has taken center stage and become the most important thing and are turned up loud enough that you don't hear the voices of the congregation. And that should not be, that should not be. as I've said many times from up here, the whole church is the worship team. We all lift our voices together. The band, we're up here on the stage to help keep us unified, to keep us singing together. You've got to have somebody leading or we end up all over the place, right? Um, the instruments help us stay on key and pitch so that we are able to sing together. But they serve the singing. You are the worship team on Sunday mornings. Number five, we sing with thankfulness in our hearts. This is in both Ephesians uh, 5 and in Colossians 3. We see in this text we are supposed to be singing with thankfulness because we recognize that everything good we have is a gift from God. He sustains us. He provides for us. He offers freedom from our sins and the free gift of salvation. He gives us his love. Do we deserve any of that, church? We don't. How could we not respond with thankfulness to the Lord? Our singing, not just the words of our songs, should always drip with thankfulness. And lastly for this morning on the how, we sing engaging our hearts and our minds. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus tells us we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And when we sing... When we worship, we should worship with all that we are. Sometimes people lean too far one way, think we just need to engage our minds with good doctrine in worship. But if our hearts are not stirred, we're missing something. God did not create us to be emotionless. If you read the Psalms, there is a depth of emotion in all of those songs that is lacking in a lot of worship today. And of course, sometimes people lean too far the other way and they're concerned just with how they feel during worship. Just It's all about how they feel. And feelings can obviously lead us astray. But I believe that singing is supposed to be an emotional event because God created music to stir our emotions. And as we sing, as we make music, our emotions 
are stirred. Jonathan Edwards puts it this way. He says, The duty of singing praises to God seems to be appointed wholly to excite and express our religious affections. No other reason can be assigned why we should express ourselves to God in verse rather than in prose and do it with music, but only that such is our nature and frame that these things have a tendency to move our affections. We are created to engage our entire being with God, our heart, our soul, and our mind, and singing helps us to do that. John Wesley said, Sing lustily with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, no more ashamed of it being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. And finally, here's what Pastor Bob Coughlin says about emotions and singing. He says, some of us are afraid of getting too emotional when we sing, but the problem is not emotions, it's emotionalism. Emotionalism pursues feelings as an end in themselves. It's wanting to feel something with no regard for how that feeling is produced or its ultimate purpose. Emotionalism can also assume that heightened feelings are the infallible sign that God is present. They are not. The emotions that singing is meant to evoke are responses to the truths we are singing about God, His glory, His greatness, and His goodness. Vibrant singing enables us to connect truth about God seamlessly with passion so that we can combine doctrine and devotion, edification and expression, mind and heart. And that makes sense. If we really worship a God who is everything that we say He is, everything that the Word says He is, like we should be overcome. There should be emotion in us. Uh, we're not always going to have emotion when we sing. Sometimes we may feel dead when we walk into church. And we might have to summon the willpower to sing anyway. But what do we do when we feel like that? We ask God in His mercy to renew our hearts and our minds and our souls that we may worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen? And this leads us to our final question for today. What do we sing? I'm going to read from Colossians 3 again here. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So if we look at that, you might answer the question of what do we sing by saying, well, we should sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And you would not be wrong. But what does that mean? There's been a debate about this. I, I read a lot of different books and articles and things talking about this. Some people think Paul meant psalms as actual psalms and hymns as songs that gave praise or thanksgiving. And spiritual songs were just other songs of a spiritual nature. And other people have argued that Paul was referencing different types of psalms and that those are all psalms and that only psalms should be sung. But in my study of it, I think Paul is saying we should, he's basically saying we should sing a variety of songs, including the psalms. The words themselves do not indicate specific types of songs that we should sing. So where I want us to look at in this passage is actually a little bit earlier in that verse. Paul says that the word of Christ should dwell in us richly. 
teaching and admonishing one another with those songs, which leads us to number one for what do we sing? We sing songs rich in God's Word, and everything else is going to flow from here. We want God's Word to dwell in us richly. So we sing songs that are full of His Word and doctrine and truth. We want to sing God's Word as much as possible. Like, What better is there to sing about? God's Word. It is useful for all things. It is how we know God and His will, and it is how He has spoken to us and given to us, and we want to dwell, and we want that to dwell in us. So, we sing about it. The Psalms are a major source of what we want to sing. So, we look at them for examples of all sorts of things to sing about, from celebration to repentance to mourning, the Psalms are God's word that were written as song. So, huge source for us. We want to be singing songs that are full of God's word, full of his truth. There's a lot of songs and a, a lot of worship songs out there. There are thousands, probably tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of like worship songs out there. And as a team up here, as a band, and as a church, maybe a couple hundred we can really know and sing together at a time. Uh, so we want to be selective about what kind of songs we sing. We want to sing songs that are rich in God's word and tell of his wonders. And as a part of this, it should be obvious, we want to sing songs that are true. We have removed songs over the years from our database because they contain things that were not true or had very little of God's word in them because we want the word of Christ to be dwelling richly in us. Which leads to number two, we want to sing songs that teach God's Word. It's what it says in Colossians there, songs that teach His truth. As we sing, we learn. We learn great truths of God that fill our hearts with wonder, with adoration, with reverence. We mentioned that we sing because it helps us to remember and set our hearts on God's truth. That's one of the reasons why we sing. And so if we're singing songs that teach us that truth... We're able to do that, and it's wonderful. So there's a lot of songs out there, but we want to make sure we're singing songs that teach God's Word to us. Number three, we want to sing songs that admonish one another. Because we see it here in Colossians and in Ephesians. We're called to sing together, and when we sing songs together, we have a chance to admonish and exhort and encourage one another. We need, I need, and I'm sure you do too, we need warnings to turn away from our sin. We need exhortations to run the race. We need encouragement that God loves us. We need reminders of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, and so on and so on. So there's a lot of songs out there. When we sing together, we want to be singing songs that are going to encourage us, admonish us, exhort us, turn us from our sin, and turn us to Christ. Number four, when we look at God's Word, we see lots of commands to praise Him and give Him glory and honor. We see commands to enter His courts with thanksgiving. We see it in both of these passages. We want to sing songs that praise God and, and give Him these things, that give Him thanks, give Him thanksgiving. We want to sing songs that let us express our adoration, and songs that allow us to show our love for Him. Songs that display our thankfulness 
Because we are thankful, amen? Amen. Number five, we want to, and again, remember the context here is corporate worship, corporate singing, congregational singing. We want to sing congregational songs, not personal songs. And uh, if you turn on the radio today, so there's a lot of songs on the radio, but even if you turn on, on Joy FM or something and you are hearing the good songs, a lot of those songs that might have good words, they're just, they're not corporate or congregational songs. A lot of good believers that are in bands put out good music that's not really songs you would sing together in church because they're not of a corporate nature. They might be of more a personal nature. They're not bad songs. I encourage you, sing them on your own. Uh, But when we come together, this is corporate worship. It's not private worship. And so some songs are better sung together, and some songs are better sung alone. So when we're looking through what what are we going to sing as a church, we're looking for songs that make sense for us to sing together as a body. And lastly, for the what do we sing in this section, we should sing with melodies that help convey the word being sung. I put this in here because there are going to be songs sometimes that have great words, but not great melodies or music. Um, And I think, at least for me, and maybe it's just being in a modern uh, time or growing up when I did, some of the older hymns have great words, but the the music is, I don't know, it doesn't seem to fit what we're singing about. And so sometimes people actually take uh, some of my favorite, now I guess they'd be considered old hymns, um, excuse me, people at different points take a song, they realize this song, the music doesn't serve it well, the melody doesn't serve well, and then they create a new melody for the words. I think uh, that happened with Before the Throne of God Above, which is one of my favorites. Um, somebody took it and realized the music does not serve what we're singing about, and they rewrote the music for it and the melody for it, and it and turned into a beautiful song. But there are going to be songs that don't have great m- melodies or that we might remove or not sing because the music doesn't help us do any of the other things we've talked about. It may, in fact, hinder it. Some songs are just hard to sing. I remember at some point uh, a song that was, it was a good song, but it was just so hard to sing, we just, we got rid of it because people couldn't sing it together. So we want the melody and the music to serve us singing together. Um, Yeah, so to wrap up the section on what do we sing, I just want to say this in summary. There's a lot of songs out there we can choose from when it comes to what we sing together on Sunday mornings. And as a church, we can only learn and know and sing so many, which means we have to prayerfully consider and choose the songs that we will learn. And these are some of the types of questions and things I'm looking at when, when I'm trying to figure out and talking with Mike and, and the team. Uh, what new songs are we going to sing together? I, I know... I get requests from people all the time. Can we do this song? Can we do this song? Can we do this song? I don't want you to ever think that I ignore your requests. They are prayerfully considered. They've looked at through many of these lenses to try to figure out, uh, you know, can we do it? And then there's also, sometimes somebody sends me a song. I'm like, I'd love to be able to do that song, but our band just can't pull it off. Uh, 
there is a professionalism that is out there in uh, the Christian music world today that is great, but sometimes it is above maybe like where we are at for the moment. So don't think that I am uh, just ignoring whatever you send. It is being evaluated in light of, of these things and many others. But most importantly, when we're looking at songs, um, we're trying to figure out, okay, how much of God's word and his truth are in this song? Because I want to see the word of Christ dwell richly in us as we sing together. And I want to sing songs that support the why we sing and the how we sing answers. And I want us to sing songs that make us wonder at God's glory and majesty and attributes. Songs that make us ponder and reflect on the beauty of the gospel and what Jesus did for us. Songs in which we correctly give God all the worship and the praise that is due Him. Songs that will encourage us to run the race. Songs that will turn us from our sin. But again, most importantly, songs that are rich in doctrine and God's Word. Songs that convey these deep truths and give glory to God and encourage us. So in conclusion, there is truly something wondrous that happens when we sing together. If you reflect on all these things that I just said, the, the what, the, uh, the why, the how, and the what, when we sing together, we give God glory and honor and praise. He's called us to that. When, when we get to come together and we do that, we are giving Him glory and honor and praise. The God who created everything wants to hear us sing together. That, that's, that is a wondrous thing. Who deserves it more than he does? When we sing together, this is another wondrous thing in my opinion, we encourage and admonish each other. Don't we need that? I need it. And when we sing together, we grow in our knowledge of God and his word. That's a wondrous thing too. By singing together, we are growing in our knowledge of God if we're singing the right things, right? When we sing together, we declare the gospel to others. I don't know if you, you've thought through and, and read through the songs that we sing, but they're like rich in the gospel. We're singing the gospel to people as we, as we sing together. When we sing together, we're declaring the praises of the one who called us out of darkness and into the light. When we sing together, we are bringing our requests and petitions before God. Again, that, that idea of corporate prayer, when we sing together all in unison one thing, some of our songs are songs of, of prayer and petition and request, and together we're asking God for something. And He hears us, and that is a wondrous thing. When we sing together, again, like in corporate prayer, we confess our utter dependence upon God together as one church as one body. There's so many wondrous things we do when we worship our God with our voices through song. I just got to say like hallelujah for the gift of song that he has given us. So in a moment we're going to get ready to wrap up and sing, but as we get ready to do that, um, I just want to offer a few ideas on some things that you can do to help put into practice what we looked at here, uh, I think three ideas to help you sing. If you, if you have a problem, if you have a hard time coming in here on Sundays and singing. First, if you're at church here, wherever your home church is, 
become familiar with the songs that your church sings together. If you only ever hear them on Sunday mornings, and especially if you, you know, when you reflect on maybe how many Sundays you're here, and when you're gone because you're sick, or when you are in the nursery, or when you're on vacation, and different things, you can actually miss a lot of songs, and you might miss the introduction of new songs. So I would encourage you, build a playlist and listen to them on somewhat of a regular basis so you know the melody and you can more easily sing it. So that when we come together, you don't say, well, I can't sing the song. I, I don't know the melody. I don't know how to sing it. You're familiar enough with the song that you're able to sing it together with your church. Secondly, don't just become familiar with the melody, but get to know the words. Like, what are we singing? I encourage you, look at our songs and ask yourself, okay, what are we singing when we come together? Where do we see these things in Scripture? What is there to learn? When I look back on like my music history growing up, it shocks me how many songs that I know without really knowing the words. This especially happens when I'm listening to old songs and I'm like, wait a second, like, what are the words to this song that I've like heard a million times and at least half sung? Um, get to know the songs that your church sings together. And if you do that, if you come across things, you're like, hmm, this doctrinally doesn't make sense. Why are, why are we singing this? And you can come and, come and talk to us. Maybe you'll help me catch something I missed. Um, finally, pray and ask the Lord to help you engage in worship as you sing. You need the Holy Spirit, right, to, to oh, make you alive and engaged. Because we want to worship in spirit and in truth, engaging our heart, our mind, and our soul right? So I encourage you to do those three things, and I hope in at least thinking through the, the what and the how and the why this morning that you are encouraged to sing, because God is worthy of our worship through song, and He has called us to lift up our voices, singing together the many truths of His Word, worshiping Him with our hearts, our minds, and our souls. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a couple of more songs together before we go to our break. If the worship team would come up, um, we are going to lift our voices together in song. If you would stand, I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of music and the gift of song that you've given us all voices that we can sing We can sing together in unison. What a, a wondrous and beautiful thing that you created song and music for all these different reasons and more that we looked at that we can express our unity and our devotion and our worship and our requests to you together and god this morning and and in future weeks and months we ask you to help us to learn to continue to worship you in spirit and in truth and to to sing that we would sing and that you would be honored and glorified as we lift our songs to you together. We ask this in your name. Amen.